Greetings and salutations. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode two of Wicked Little Town. It's a matinee cast series of audio postcards dedicated to the goings-on at TIFF, the 45th annual Toronto International Film Festival happening right now until September 19th in my hometown of Toronto, Canada. And in case you have not been paying attention, TIFF this year is happening just by matchsticks and chewing gum and sheer tenacity uh largely digital although there is a physical component to it as well and um it's uh it's kind of amazing that it's all taking place and uh you know we need to we need to kind of send out signals about what's going on uh, as we as we normally do even though that these are far from normal times i of course cannot do that by myself i usually pull aside whoever i find around the festival and today i am lucky enough to have uh, one of my dear friends making some time in her busy 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 schedule um and i do mean busy not like me sitting around reading books busy i mean like you know like working and busy um hillary butler is here how are you hillary butler not quite as tired as i would be if tiff was happening normally but mm. still tired <laughs> I think I'm a little bit more tired just because the amount I'm watching is up from where it would normally be. And so too is the turnover. Uh, Like uh, that's the one thing about doing this digitally through press and industry is it's a bloody buffet. You can just finish your plate, go back up to the buffet, load up on, you know, crab legs and salad and whatever, just go back (laughs) to your chair and start eating again. versus when this film when this festival is physical you know you watch a movie and then there's like you know the worst that happens is you finish one movie and then you've got to run to another movie but even then you've got like five or ten minutes in between sure you know ordinarily you've got things like you've got a q a and you've got to walk over to the other place or you've got uh, you know writing to do or god forbid you should actually eat um it's it's not it's very different when it's all digital and on your couch um we have both uh seen uh several movies in common but for the sake of this dispatch we are going to talk about one um that is by the Canadian film by Emma Seligman. It's called Shiva Baby. Um, you, uh, why don't you tell people? I've been talking a lot. Why don't you tell people what this movie is about? <laughs> um, you know, and and what what they could get from this kind of opus. I'm going to try not to give some of the little nuggets of the movie away because I think it's a lot of fun to watch it and not know what's coming. But yeah. basically, the I mean, the film opens up with a. Uh, couple having relations so we find that uh it's actually a young girl having relations with her sugar daddy um she quickly goes from that experience to going to a funeral or a shiva um of which she has no idea who the person is that's even died which gives you a a good indication that this is a common uh thing that is occurring in her social calendar with her parents um and from there uh insanity happens to her when she runs into two guests at this shiva um and from there things just just devolve for poor danielle um and things get very claustrophobic very fast (laughs) yeah it's i mean it 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 is a comedy um you know but it's also it's a dark comedy i would say yeah, yeah it's a dark comedy in the way that it's not as slap happy as something like death at a funeral um and it's certainly not as goofy as something like um you know my big fat greek wedding but there are a lot of really absurd moments in it um there's a lot of moments in this if you have 
an overbearing family or social circle that you will identify with. You know, these, these kind of life events that you go to where you need to present, even though you really don't want to present, or maybe you're not in that moment where you are, you know, fit to be presenting, um, you know, everything from your career to your marital status to your weight will come up and is open for discussion with people who you don't even really know. Yep. Um, I, I dug oh, yeah. this. Every, there's, there's nothing off the table with these people. No. Like it's everything just comes out and that's part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and that's, and that's the thing, right? Like this, this happens. You've been there. I've been there. Oh Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, not to this not to this degree though. I feel that there's something about um, some of these get-togethers that, well, the director talks about it having been part of this insular Jewish community that everyone knows everyone. Yeah, and know everything. Yeah, and I think at least in my family, it's not quite to that extent. Um, but there's some really interesting family members that are in this dynamic, like her mother, who's just, a, a, she's one of my favorite characters in the whole thing. I love, yeah, like it's, it's crazy. I loved actually, the mother is really well drawn in this movie. Like I, I you know, I feel like this kind of, this character, this kind of overbearing Jewish mother, you know, or like this is a character we've seen in all kinds of movies, but um, Seligman really gives her a lot of complexity. And, you know, like there, there's a moment in this movie where, um, Emma, the main character, actually point blank asks her mom, are you disappointed in me? And, you know, like, I swear to God, just every every single child has felt that way about their parents at least once, that you are letting mm-hmm. them down. And, and just, you know, listening to her mom in that moment and having her mom recognize that her daughter is having a really, really, really bad day. Um, Danielle, by the way, is the character's name, not Emma. I, I'm, I'm thinking about the, 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 the director. Director and, yeah, yeah. and character. <laughs> um, but I love, like, it, it's it's crazy because it takes, it, it actually takes you a little while to, to understand the context of the title, um, which I don't really want to give away because it takes, it takes a little while for, you know, basically the bomb of this situation for its fuse to be lit. And yep. that's, that's part of the beauty of this movie. Also, I think part of its beauty, because it was a very easy thing to fit into the schedule. It was less than 80 minutes. It's slim, it's trim, nothing's in it that doesn't need to be in it. Yep. Everything adds to, you know, the dynamic of the film and in, you know, a landscape where we get many overblown titles, it's very nice to get one that you can just watch. And I think it's 77 minutes. I mean, here's the crazy thing, you know, we, you know, TIFF this year is a much slimmer schedule. I can't, I can't remember what the exact um, body count is, but it's somewhere between 50 and 60 films. And I feel like if it was a proper slate of 200 to 300 films, that something like Shiva Baby actually probably would have got buried a little bit that, you know, with a smaller trimmer schedule, it helped these kinds of titles bubble up a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like, like you said, like not only is it short, which when you're picking, when you're picking films during a film festival, shorter is always better. Um, yes. But, but <laughs> it's something that you look at it and you're like, okay, this is going to be something that I can watch and it's going to leave me feeling amused. It's going to leave me feeling uplifted, even though yeah. this movie is often really tense. Like this movie will stress you out at some points, but it, it does, all, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it really effervesces by the time it's all done. Even the soundtrack will have you 
becoming more anxious as time goes on. Yeah. That was something I, I very much noticed, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was really, it was something I wasn't actually planning on watching it, but it was one of those ones that I was up at like eight 30 and I was like, Oh, I can fit this in because <laughs> it's <laughs> nice and short. And I, you know what? I just needed something light to start the day off uh, with. Yeah. And, that, and I got what I needed. There is, there is there's definitely, there's definitely something to be said for picking by slot. Um, what else you've been watching this week? <laughs> um, yeah. So lo- lots of things you guys talked about nomad lands last night. So I'm not going to touch on that, but it was just as fantastic as I'm, I'm everyone still, said it is. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm still <laughs> a glow. Like I, I wrote my written piece, uh, about it this morning, which so will have I. published by the time that this episode goes up and just thinking back on that movie. Yeah. I'm still over the moon about it. Yeah. And I need the soundtrack. Immediately. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a really good one. Um, what else have I really watched? I just finished watching another round, uh, which, uh, was the Mads Mikkelsen, uh, movie. I, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, okay. it is certainly a cautionary tale. <laughs> cautionary tale <laughs> of what? So it's, uh, basically about this group of teachers that are kind of, in a rut they're not enjoying life they have things going on at home they're just they're bored um and they come across this philosopher who has this theory that humans are born with a blood alcohol level 0.05 percent too low (laughs) so so they they opt to start their own little experiment of keeping their blood alcohol level at 0.05 um, and you can tell, I mean, when the two of them last got together eight years ago, they made a movie called the hunt, which was one of my absolute favorite movies of that year, but I will never watch again because it was very dark. No kidding. It, it, it goes into some dark places. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 fu- it's often funny. I mean, these guys become charismatic and like joyful and enjoy themselves. And it's, it, it's fun to watch. And then it devolves into something not so great, <laughs> but I, I quite enjoyed it. I, I mean, it's Vinterberg. He's got an interesting career. Uh, you mentioned the hunt. I think the first movie I ever saw by him was called dear Wendy with, um, you know, Alison pill and uh, Jamie bell about this like group of kind of lost boys and girls who kind of like f- fawn over vintage guns it was such a twisted little tale um he also did a a really really handsome version of far from the madding crowd a few years ago i feel like he's this kind of director who's sort of always just kind of been on the edge of really breaking through so this festival where he's one of the bigger names um presenting because we've got this slate of films that a lot of the studios were holding back um you know vinterberg is it's like him spike lee and you know the 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 actors who are directing like holly berry and regina king Mm -hmm. and it's it's funny he says uh because when he i watched his introduction of the movie and he's like it's a celebration of alcohol he's like you know (laughs) we just all these people who were basically boozers like churchill and hemingway and he's like they did all these amazing things under the influence so but he he does uh look at the uh at the ugly side too oh boy Um, and if you want to see mads mickelson dance who does there's uh, yeah you you do that's (laughs) you really do (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man, yeah, it's it's one that I I probably will catch up with. I, I will admit here. So you know the last. Um, Four tiffs leading into this one, I had exclusively um, made it a priority to watch uh, films directed by women. And this year, while I am still making that the priority, hence movies like Nomadland and Shiva Baby, um, I, I am drifting a little bit, which is to say I've watched one or two that were directed by men, but I'm kind of trying to keep it in the spirit. So, like, one of the ones I watched today that was directed by men was um pieces of a woman with um shia labeouf and vanessa kirby yes yes I'm watching that on uh wednesday uh make sure you make sure you got a lot of time to to come down after that one that's that's a that's a heavy a heavy beast by, by the mm. time it's all said and done it's beautiful but um that one i mean that one at least had the, the script was was written by a woman so i don't feel too guilty but uh, i'll sure. see you know if i if i'm still you know, cheating on my diet here, then I'll, I'll come around <laughs> to another round. Um, well, I think the one th- like 10 out of the 12 I've seen, have actually been directed by women and it's, it's, it's a lot easier this year. It's, in- it's uh, incredibly easy. Like, uh, you know, part, I'm sure part of it happened just out of necessity, but the fact of the matter is that this year TIFF's uh, quotient was like 46% women. So mm-hmm. it's way easier to find it's these so stories choice. when it's basically half the slate, you know, it, it yep. takes, so little effort and sometimes you know sometimes you're watching them and you don't even you're not even making a point of it you would think that like in an ideal world this would just be the way you know so absolutely yeah maybe it's a glimmer (laughs) well the movie that i just finished watching before this podcast episode is actually one of the three midnight madness selections i just finished Mm. watching violation by madeline Mm. sims fewer and dusty mancinelli uh this movie is heavy this movie is not you know can i watch it ryan this is the question <laughs> okay there, i got offered this screener many times yes. and i'm like i don't so, know if i should do it well okay i bring this up for you there, there there's a little bit of animal stuff that will that will oh, put you no. off yeah but you can kind of skirt past it um this movie is heavy uh it's not gory it's not visceral but it is like so damned intense and the crux of it is it is a it is it's it's a revenge story really and truly violation is a revenge story and i don't really want to paint out how and why if you if you really want to get the nuts and bolts about how and why um look up the description for violation because it will give you a clearer picture of just what is being you know revenged um but the, the the what makes it so powerful is this is a movie that really wants to dig its hooks into the emotional toll of revenge. Like this is one of the things I've always disliked about these so-called revenge stories is it really, you know, it's, it's one thing to say I was done wrong. So I'm going to take my power back and kick somebody else's ass. And you know, that'll make me feel better. But the fact of the matter is there is a real human price to pay for violence and certainly for causing death. Uh, You know, like it's not just the kind of thing where you do it, you pump your fist and then you walk off into the sunset while the soundtrack plays. This movie really, really gets into the emotional weight that comes with, you know, swinging back at somebody who has hurt you. Um, It's if I'd watched this in a theater, I would have come out completely drained. 
it's it's you know it's not again really and truly it is not something that is bloody it's not something that's like intense to watch but it is something that is methodical and sometimes that is worse you know because you're looking at Mm -hmm. it you're thinking in your head you can put yourself into that position um it's you know it's it's part of the Midnight Madness program. This thing would have been just absolutely baller in the middle of the night, like, and then walking out into the <laughs> dark. Um, and I got to, you know, I actually need to, again, I don't know whether it was by necessity or by deliberate attempt, but I need to give Midnight Madness props. It is a program that has historically done terribly where it comes to putting female directors into the curated list and this year they got three slots and it's two films that are either directed or co-directed by women and this was one of the three Mm -hmm. so good on you uh midnight madness and uh, tiff docs did it as well they got up to about 50 percent. but violation is a movie that i don't know when it's going to show up and where it's going to show up it's a canadian film so you know the the likely suspect is a is a platform like shutter or netflix but uh, violation by um madeline sims fewer and dusty mancinelli I really think is one that's worth seeing. Uh, did you have any others that really All stuck right. out for you? This I'll, week? Put, I'll put it on the list. I'll put it on the list now yeah. that you've screened, you know, now that you've pre-screened it for me. Yeah. Um, you'll I'll you'll see that. the, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like you listen, do yourself a favor, like watch it in the afternoon when, when it's done, you can like go walk in the sunshine and, and, and like have a snack. Cause it's, it's just, it's a lot. Don't watch, do not watch this movie in the dead of night because you will not sleep well. I promise you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, as I go to watch the other Midnight Madness movie, which is apparently crazy. Yeah, that, uh, I'm, I'm, I can't. Shadow in the one. clouds. Yeah, that's that's like the middle of the week for me. Um, what, else, what else did you watch this week that kind of jumped out at you? Um, I really enjoyed Holler. This is another um, uh, woman director who's bringing a story of uh, this young girl who's kind of stuck in a town that is really just propped up by one manufacturing plants so in a way similar to nomad lands uh, in that respect yeah totally. um yeah and it's it's about to close there she's trying to get out and her brother basically applies to college for her she, un, unbeknownst to her and she gets accepted um but in order to make up the tuition they have to scrap for metal So they go into all these old factories that have shut down and steal the copper wiring and steal it for scrap. And I mean, I think that there is a lot of politics speaking underneath this film. And sometimes they were bubbling. Sometimes it bubbled over a bit. She does, uh, the director does use actual like Trump footage Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the background of a couple of her scenes. But there's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of people deal with, but, uh, you know, certainly as far as, uh, you know, this town goes, they're dealing with things like the opioid crisis, how to pay for secondary education, um, unemployment, the poverty line, uh, and yeah, a bit of, a bit of Trumpism thrown in there. And, and so there's just, there's just a lot, um, going on. And I was, the more I thought about it, because they don't go into any one of those, uh, subjects in any great depth, but the more I thought about it, I was kind of okay with that. Uh, because it's just the overall weight of what was on this girl's shoulders and on this family's shoulders, um, that it was just an interesting 
portrait. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good movie. I, I think I wanted a little bit more from it before we started talking on Mike tonight. I, I mentioned that it reminded me of a few other movies that I felt took its themes and did them a little better. But, uh, you know, like you said, there, there are brushstrokes of something like Nomadland where a whole town basically has its zip code wiped out because of how the industry leaves. You see that in Holler and you see how these bigger and bigger pieces of the American map are getting left behind, you know, as, as commercial uh, enterprise uh, moves forward in more and more economically sound ways at the mm-hmm. detriment of, you know, both their workers and their citizens. Um, yeah, I dug it. Like Holler was the, my, my first movie of the whole festival. Um, yeah, and, I, and, and yeah, we don't know really where this is going to land just yet. Um, as an industry pick, it's, I always kind of assume that they're a work in progress. So it's possible that it may still be retooled uh, by the time it, it, it ends up, but uh, it was, it was a decent watch. Um, I, I kind of, yeah. Skated over this during the first postcard about, the uh, feeling of watching the the press and industry selections digitally. Now, for, I mm-hmm. think, do you still have one physical screening to go to, or did that sort itself out? Uh, I I do, but I'm going out to like a drive-in. Okay, uh, so you haven't got to you so. haven't got to that experience just yet. Kurt talked about it on the first no. episode. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like, I don't know about you, but the whole concept, like you know, TIFF has been staggering out the schedule over the course of their ten days. So press and industry log in at eleven o'clock in the morning, and they have you know ten films to choose from that day plus yesterday's ten. You know, and each one of them mm-hmm. tells you you have this much time to watch it. I don't know about you, but I kind of find that a little bit harder to navigate. Yeah than picking yeah. by slot or picking by day and actually mapping out a oh, schedule because absolutely. you know to anybody who's listening to this who has sat down with netflix and tried to choose what to watch <laughs> and just found themselves scrolling for 45 minutes when you could have been an act deep into a movie it's very much like that only worse because you don't know a whole lot about most of these movies yes you're are you finding that too yeah and you know what i think that has caused me to probably skip over some of the industry selects films that I might have liked to watch because I didn't know they were coming and I don't know anything about them. So I'd rather watch something that, you know, I kind of, there's about 10 pages in my notebook of revisions of when to watch certain things. um, When in that 48 hour window makes it tricky. I probably skipped over a couple films that I might've liked to have seen. Um, but yeah, it definitely was harder. And it's, you know, it's harder to get that writing time in because it's, yeah. um, I'm always just to, you know, you go to a movie and then you have an hour and you can go to a coffee shop and like do some writing or you go up to the press area and do some writing. But now I can just start another movie. <laughs> so that's, I'm still that's, about seven, yeah. I mean, seven reviews behind. Yeah. I mean, that like, that's the thing is really and truly nothing has changed. You can treat your day as if it's scheduled, including meals, including writing time, including, God forbid, exercise. Um, But because it's all there, (laughs) all right in front of you, you don't. Like, you know, if if Tiff has to do this again, and let's face facts, they may have to do Mm -hmm. this again at least one more time, if not more, there may be the, the, the thought or the temptation there to offer 
a digital uh, pass. This year, they did not offer a digital pass. If if the average TIFF goer wants to watch a film digitally, they have to buy them a la carte. You know, yes. they, they didn't say, all right, give us your $400 and you can watch them all. Um, if, if it's me giving my experience after one year of press and industry access that is a bad like give us your four hundred dollars and you can watch them all is not a good way to do it because you're basically daring people to binge watch their tiff (laughs) yes well this is true and i I mean i think kurt said yesterday when he was uh when you guys recorded your show is that you know, usually the amount of films that are at TIFF this year is usually what he watches. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, if given the opportunity, he probably would watch them all. Um, but, you know, how much of that is just cramming and not enjoying, I guess? Um, I mean, that's the constant, know. that's the constant struggle with TIFF. Yes. Like, I, you know, it's I, a balance. I, yeah. They, they're, don't get me wrong. There are lots of people out there who do 50 movies over the course of the festival. There are people who I've known who have done like 60 movies over the course of the festival, which is five or six of films a day, every single day over and over and over. And I always say, by the time you get to film number like 20, film number one is a blur. My yeah. sweet spot for TIFF, as long as I've been doing it, has always been uh, you know, between 20 and 30, like 25 to 30 yep. films, which is two or three a day, every day. Um, this is basically, yeah, you know, an, uh, a completely streamed online, all of them are available right at the go version of TIFF would just be daring you to sit down <laughs> with the carton of ice cream and the spoon and, and not get sick. And I don't think that <laughs> I really, you know, I know that that is the model. I know that, in the age of Prime and Netflix and Hulu and all these other things, I know that the model is doing. put all the content up there and let the person eat themselves sick. But I don't – I hope that TIFF doesn't go that way because it will really, really lessen the experience, even more than it's already been lessened. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it, the other thing I, I don't really love is that a lot of the press and industry screenings are lumped at the beginning as yeah. of tomorrow, they start to peter out. And yeah. as of like Thursday, I think there's only like one film available that day. So well, it's, I mean, <laughs> that's also it's not, there's not a lot. <laughs> that's all the, the, the funny thing is that's emblematic of how press and industry usually works, which is to say that by yes. the time you get to the end of the festival, most of the press and industry have gone home. You have, know, have this gone. year, there is but no right go- now we are home. Yeah, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Spread them out. It would have been like, I would have been able to review more yeah. had they actually spread them out. But yeah. Same Back here. As I can't. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I do have material that'll carry me carry me through most of the week. But by the time we get to like Friday, I think I've got like one or two yes. like once we get to the next weekend. Now speaking of the usual experience, um, I have been deciding to end this series of postcards by comparing you know, what we're going through now to what we've gone through in the past. You've gone to TIFF for like, I mean, shit, I've known you now for five years. I believe mm-hmm. you, you were like TIFFing before we met. Uh, so oh, you, yeah. you like, you've gone like, like several, several, um, this compared to your normal experience. What are you finding that you miss the most? <laughs> so I'm one of those film people that also love celebrities. And I know that not all film people are like that. Um, and so for me, the thing that I hate the most is not being able to take photos. I, I always cram in like in between all my screenings, I'm carrying my camera gear with me. I'm waiting at the red carpets to get like the good shot. Um, my back doesn't miss that. Um, <laughs> but 
Uh, I miss it a lot. In fact, like every day, my Facebook feeds coming up with like, oh, four years ago today, you took that selfie with Matt Damon. I was like, oh yeah, that was a good day. <laughs> so I kind of miss that. Yeah, I, like I do know what you you mean because I'm you know I'm the guy who's usually sitting down low with my with my big ass Nikon, looking like a nerd. Like everybody's got a camera in their phone, and they're you know they're like, what's Ansel Adams doing over there with a friggin' view camera and a hood? Um, <laughs> but same thing, like my facebook feed for like the week leading into tiff because tiff this year is very very late started popping Mm -hmm. up pictures of hey you took this picture of this director hey you took this picture of this cast so i just decided to claim it and every day i've been posting a picture that i i shot in years past yeah but yeah I, i mean that's that's the sad thing is not having the talent present you know like you're you're not what I'd call any kind of a star fucker. Like you, like you, you when you go, like you're taking these pictures, and it's cool to see these people. But you're not just going because Brie Larson is in it, although that doesn't hurt. Um, but yeah, I, I do know that that that's got to be that's got to be weighing you down is not being thanks, able to. Kind thanks of, for that credit, Ryan. Yeah, seriously, like, seriously. Like, no, don't get me wrong. Like that's hey, listen. They, they they say that TIFF is different for everybody who's going. There are some people who are going where it's work. There's some people who are going as press. There's some people who are going for like the social scene. There are lots of people who are going to see, take pictures and get autographs of famous people. And you know what? There's nothing sure. wrong with that. You know, if that's your bag, that's your bag. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not going to say that it hasn't sometimes steered me into choosing certain films oh sure see, it has that's see that's on you that's the, um, that's your fault you know it's it's my fault that i tried to go see downsizing and then matt damon didn't even show up for the premiere oh, um no. so that that is on me um yeah. <laughs> but, but it hasn't always steered me that wrong i you know it's it's crazy because we're only like, you know, we're recording this on Sunday night and we're only four days into this. And yet it seems much like most years, it seems like we're just like neck deep in it when really we're not even over the hump. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. I have no concept of time. I had to, I (laughs) I got my press credentials very late. And so I had to struggle to get time off. I have uh, two more days off and then I have to go back to work where I'll be trying to work a 10 hour day and then come home and watch films. So, um, so yeah, I, the concept of time is, uh, you know, Jeremy bear me. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, my friend, (laughs) I think that could probably be the motto for 2020. The concept of time is Jeremy. (laughs) So well done. Um, well, thank you so much for making time in your, you know, crazy Jeremy bear me schedule. Um, and there are going to be more of these. Uh, there's going to be at least one more. I hope two more before the, uh, the weekends, uh, TIFF again, right now is happening, uh, both physically in Toronto, Canada. If you're in the area and you feel like braving the the pandemic come on out while it's still happening um and (laughs) digitally uh within canada and uh, certain films across borders so go to tiff.net and see what you can either get tickets for or get uh, digital rentals of between now and september 19 uh hill where are you writing your work that if people want to uh, read these pieces they can find them yeah so um all of my reviews will be up at liveforfilms.com uh, or if you follow me on Twitter at Pet Doc Hill, uh, they all get posted through there as well. Very cool. And uh, if people go into the show notes for this episode, I'm going to dig through Hillary's feeds. I'm going to find one of your 
celebrity pictures and I'm going to post it into the show notes for this Ooh. week. Oh, so <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. You can see, send, make sure you All send right. me a good one. Uh, it'll, it'll, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see, you'll get an idea of what Hillary's missing out on this year. Um, my writings and, uh, both past and future episodes of Wicked Little Town can be found at thematinee.ca. Uh, and as I said, this is happening until September 19th. There will be all kinds of written and audio dispatches from the film festival. But for now, uh, for Hillary Butler, I'm Ryan McNeil. We'll see you at the matinee and at TIFF. And if you've got no other choice, you know you can follow my voice through the dark turns and 